This is U.S. Research Software Engineer Stories, coming straight at you from USRSE, the U.S. Research Software Engineer Association. Hey there, listeners. So this is one of my favorite times of the year because I absolutely love the spirit of Halloween, the creepy stories and the dark purples and vibrant oranges. And, you know, pre-COVID, being able to go into any supermarket or drugstore and be inundated with these lovely Halloween things. It's also now become my favorite part of the year because I've made a tradition of writing a Halloween special episode for this podcast. And this is exactly what we're going to do today. So this is the third Halloween special episode, and this story is called Open Source Halloween. In the deepest and darkest of dungeons, you might find them scheming. Hunched over mechanical keyboards and plug-in USB fans, the rulers of expansive clusters are working, fixing, solving. Lou was one of these creatures of the expanse. But before you imagine darkness and dungeons meant for torture, let me tell you that Lou was a clean-cut 35-year-old with faded jeans and a button shirt. He ordered the same coffee every morning and from the same small shop at the top of the hill. It was a daily ritual, a workout to walk up that hill before trying to catch the train. Sometimes he had a few extra minutes and would venture down the road to a bakery to produce a square pink box with special treats for his fellow dungeon dwellers. This was his routine for most of the week. Lou so looked forward to his Friday ritual of coming home to knock back a specialty beer and staring out his high-rise window into the horizon. Despite the expense, his home was hot, and the air was prone to being dirty when the fires were at bay. When not eating or drinking, he had bought a respirator to wear in his own home. And only when it dawned on him how completely ridiculous this was, did he decide to spend more time at work. Yes, the dungeons were air-conditioned, filtered, and filled with the spurring and whirring of machines. And yes, Lou was a sysadmin and he was really good at what he did. The 10th month of the year brought a kind of unexpected relief, you see, because the cooling temperatures and slowing down of the summer meant that the state started to win against the fires. The far parts of the horizon were visible again, and Lou took off his home respirator to breathe a refreshing breath. It wasn't like it used to be when he was in New England, where the trees turn beautiful shades of orange, red, and yellow, and the air starts to take on a crisp smell of pine to tell you assuredly that winter is coming. But he would take it. This clear day presented a lovely opportunity to spend some more time outside. The outside air was typically only marginally worse than the inside air, but he felt much safer inside from the city and unknowns. Lou shuffled down the narrow steps, carefully placing each foot to account for the differences of heights, and hit the street. It was early evening, right in the lull between commuting time and the evening rush of people going out to dinner. Lou decided to take a walk in a nearby park. And I I don't want to mislead you. This was a rectangle of grass with about a third of a mile perimeter path to walk, covered in dog poo that was irresponsibly left by owners, and little neat tied-up bags from owners that were responsible enough to bag it, but not to return to retrieve it. 
Lou's mind wandered. Was he happy in his role? Assuredly, yes, but it was thankless work. People typically only came to him out of a state of frustration. Something didn't work. Or they needed something, and, and they needed it yesterday and not in the next week. Lou looked up and saw a little girl and her mom, and she was wearing a pink tutu and wielding a fairy wand. Huh, it's never a bad time for a tutu, Lou chuckled, as he remembered a skit night at his college when he, of course, was asked to play the role of the tooth fairy. His thoughts jumped quickly to Halloween. The neighborhood would fill up with kids in extensive costumes in just a few weeks. Lou loved Halloween. The world became somehow cooler, painted in the brightest and deepest of purples and vibrant oranges. Adults treated it like an excuse to attend parties and drink wearing scantily clad clothing that they claimed to be costumes. But being a kid, it was magical. Lou never really had grown up in that regard. He loved the magic. He loved the scare of hearing a ghost story and even the quest for candy. Lou felt a small rush of happiness, a childlike happiness when you learn that it's snack time and you get to have your favorite thing, or that school just ended finally for the summer. He decided that this year, he didn't care about his age. He wanted to go trick-or-treating. Lou ventured into the Walgreens on the corner of Market Street. As expected, there was an entire aisle of Halloween presents, with everything from monster bowls that growled when you reached inside to lovely purple lights that would make a house seem both spooky and a little bit like a Spencer's Gifts. Do you remember those stores? They used to be in the mall? After knocking over several items on the disorganized shelf, he found an amazing lobster costume. Yes, a lobster, you heard that right. That would completely hide his face so suspecting adults handing out candy would never know he wasn't an older teenager that just really didn't want to let go of childhood. He brought the costume to the register. $79.99? Oh, his sticker shock quickly transitioned into indifference because he felt sort of hopeless about his financial situation anyway. The cost of living in the city was crazy. Oh well, that's what you get for a drugstore in a city two and a half times more expensive than average in the U.S. I'll just do it this one time, he justified to himself. Beep! The costume was rung up, bagged, and swinging in the white and red plastic bag alongside Lou as he walked home. On the day of trick-or-treating, Lou convinced a fellow colleague, a research software engineer in his group, Emily, to come along. She was fairly short and had a girlish face, so she opted for a witch costume with a pointy hat and wig, and being in her late 20s, she totally could be mistaken for a teenager. As the dinner hour approached, the two set out on their route. Part of the fun was really just commenting on all the weird houses that they saw. Oh, look, Lou said, pointing. There's the one that looks like a ski lodge. What is that even doing here? And that one over there, that's baby pink. That's a sight for sore eyes. And then there were the houses that were stacked up alongside one another like biscuits in a box, likely having been there for easily a century. The docile weather of the city made it easy to take care of these houses, and Lou always imagined the wind being like a cleansing spirit that would blow away any debris or signs of age. But maybe with the fires, an equally powerful spirit that brought dirt and dust to counteract the wind spirit would change this ecosystem. The two canvassed the city, 
making sure to stop in all the lovely little neighborhoods with Edwardian houses. By the end of the night, they had amassed a massive bag of candy. We are so bad, Emily exclaimed as she dumped her loot into Lou's small kitchen table. Lou smiled warmly, also feeling the high of their candy success. This will be super dangerous for me to bring home, Emily chuckled. Do you want to bring it into work on Monday? Lou liked the idea. He could present the bounty to his colleagues to make the daily grind a little less painful. Yeah, sure, he replied. I'll bring it in on Monday. He knew that his colleagues wouldn't care where it came from. Something delicious, individually wrapped in colorful paper that smelled faintly of chocolates and plastic, would be a welcomed interruption to the typical day. Lou didn't think it would be a big deal to bring the candy on the train, but it felt kind of awkward carrying a large, unmarked bag. He tried to act cool and casual and place the bag between his feet akin to a piece of luggage, but his fellow passengers just were not buying it. They continued to give him weird looks because now it looked like he was transporting body parts and making a really failed effort to conceal them. He regretted not putting them in a duffel bag, so at least people would judge him for being an out-of-shape guy attempting to plan to partake in a group sports activity after work over a serial killer. It was relief to arrive at the station and finally distance himself from the judging eyes of his fellow passengers. He ran into the group kitchen, found an old holiday bowl, and dumped the candy. His mission was done. Halloween decorations from the previous weeks were still up, so the spirit of Halloween was still there. Ironically, Lou spent most of the day in his office, banging away to resolve old tickets, and only ventured to have his first piece of candy toward the end of the day. He still felt kind of guilty for, you know hijacking a children's holiday. The more mental distance he could place between that and the consumption of candy, the better he'd feel. So it wasn't until just before the end of the day that he pushed away from his desk and lumbered over to the shared kitchen. Dun, 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 dun. The bowl was surprisingly still very full and Lou grabbed for what he hungered for, a cute rectangular bag of some German looking candy with colorful, sweet, chewy pieces. Ah, Skeetles, he thought. These are my favorite. The first Skeetle hit his mouth, and as the white innards dissolved on his tongue, it was clear that there had to be some huge mistake. <coughs> Lou retched. D did they use salt instead of sugar? Oh my god, this is terrible. He spat out the candy and went to the sink to wash out his mouth. He let out a small cry when he saw it. Whatever candy was removed from the bowl had only traveled a small distance and was partially eaten in the trash. Lou sifted quickly through the discarded wrappers and partially eaten candies. There were tweaks, Skeetles, N&Ns, sneakers, and oh my god, this wasn't Halloween candy. This was open source candy. Lou quickly collected the bowl and hurried back to his office hoping that nobody else would try it. Once in the safety of his lair, he started looking at the wrappers. They were obviously home-crafted and totally not what he expected. Emily had heard his small cry and was already at his office door. Oh, she whispered. So you finally tried it? Yeah, you know open-source candy. Some of it can be pretty good, but I think most of it is questionable? I can tell you more about it, if you like. I did some work in this space. 
So Emily was a research software engineer, and that meant she was hugely active in open source development, including having done work on open source candy. Okay, so this one, she said as she pointed to the Skeetles. They must have changed their recipe and they didn't do any tests before production. So yeah, I totally think they use salt instead of sugar. I think that also means they don't have good documentation of their ingredients. Probably there are two bags of white crystals without labels and nobody knows which is which and nobody bothered to test it. Emily reached for the NNNs next. These looked promising, but pulling the bag opening apart a little bit wider revealed a congealed mass of chocolate in color. I guess melt in your mouth, not in your hand didn't really work out. I think this is probably because they're using really old machines to produce the candy. I forget the details, but depending on the type of material used for the mold and the temperatures in the melting oven and cooling belts, that totally determines how the candy endures after. I think they just are using really legacy systems. And then finally, she picked up the sneakers. Oh, wow. So this one I can't really put my finger on. But judging from the texture, it kind of tastes like when my mom used to mix the muffin batter a little too much. It's sort of tough. Lou scratched his head and looked closely at the soft folds of the candy bar. Candy was just something that he took for granted to be right. He never stopped to think that there was a world of open source candy, and for some reason it was struggling. But no matter what the story, it was ending badly, because here he was staring at an entire bin of partially eaten Halloween candy, sad and sorrowful as having the promise of being delicious and then falling so short. Does it have to be this way? He asked. Emily took a moment to respond after some quiet thought. Let me show you, she finally said. They left the lair of the sysadmins and walked into the sunlight of the nearby quad. Students flooded the space as some kind of physical manifestation of intellectual curiosity, flooding out from the university buildings into the cement valley with often no clear direction or purpose. There were smiles and laughter, and in his ornery ways, Lou was quickly caught up in it, almost to the point of his upper lip turning up slightly. And that's when his left brain reminded him that they simply were naive to the truths of the world. Going to school at such a university was really not the real world. It was a magical land where you could exist without cars. There were cute coffee shops and places to spend time around every corner, and there were interesting and vibrant people to interact with at every turn. The real world kind of meant a crowded train with tired travelers getting harassed on the street or a single person sitting in traffic listening to an audiobook or podcast. The real world meant making every effort to try and not recognize that the entirety of life was moving from one building to another 30 miles away. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Are you okay? Emily had paused in her step when she noticed Lou zone out. He did that every once in a while, as if pressing pause on his personal play button, but forgetting to pause time itself. Oh, yeah, he mumbled. So are we going to see something, this open source candy? He said it with a bit of a sarcastic tone, as if he already didn't believe her that there was a world of developing and producing open source candy. She could see the expression on his face and decided it was best to just show him over trying to argue. Yeah, follow me, she said bluntly, walking off quickly in the direction of the computer science quad, before Lou even had a chance to roll his eyes, emit a giggle, or otherwise belittle what he hadn't even seen yet.
The computer science quad was even more crowded. You see, while a huge number of students were scattered around science buildings, likely pursuing pre-med because they wanted prestige and a higher salary or just to please their parents, an equally large number of students were studying computer science with equal but different incentives for a higher salary and a glimmer of temporal freedom. And maybe a little bit starry-eyed when they went into the adjacent town for dinner and saw the green, blue, and yellow bikes of the nearest tech company. Lou often wondered if he had a second chance at college, if he might take a different route. You see, he had studied something completely irrelevant, had not been able to get a job, and then started to learn system administration. From that point on, he worked really hard to get to where he was, reading a lot of books, trying things on his own, and ultimately getting a certification. But none of his learning came from a traditional education, so it came with a bit of jadedness about the entire schooling process. Oh, he was distracted again. Emily was standing on the steps of one of the buildings with her arms folded, head cocked to one side, as if to say, Really, Lou, again? He shuffled his feet more quickly to catch up and followed behind her, catching the extremely heavy door that she almost purposefully didn't hold to show her annoyance with his flaky presence. He was being pretty flaky. The stairs looked like they were designed in the 70s, a speckled brown pattern with little bits of white glimmer that, perhaps half a century ago, would have looked dazzling. Lining the stairs were glass displays filled with old machines and small pieces of paper clearly written by a typewriter with a name and a date. The machines got bigger as the dates got older, and Lou wondered if anyone really knew how they worked anymore. Is this what the dinosaurs used? Lou made a feeble effort at a bad joke, which was well received by Emily, who turned her head and gave a quick smile. She knew that Lou was going through some stuff and really was doing his best, despite being a little distracted and unyielding. She looked at him as someone kind that had developed a hard shell, not just to protect himself from the world, but also protect the world from him. Kind of like an NNN, but not really melted yet. The latter, though, was a maladaptive belief, of course, because Lou had so much to give back to the world, but since he didn't place much value in himself, he hadn't realized it yet. Emily sat down on an old bench, either made of wood or something that resembled it. She patted on the seat next to her to motion for Lou to sit down, and then they waited. Lou felt like he was taken back to his college days when he might be waiting to see a professor in their office or just trying to kill time between classes on a random bench. How many butts had sat on this bench before him? He started to think about this deeply, and much more deeply than anyone really should. Perhaps if there are a few butts a day, and classes are going on maybe half of the days of the year, he could make a modest and possibly low estimate of 450 butts a year. And then going back about 30 years... Gross! Lou said out loud, with absolutely no context, causing Emily to give him a quick glance with a face like she had eaten something sour. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I just realized there could be like many, many thousands of butts that have sat on this bench. They clean it every day, Lou, Emily responded, trying to comfort the seemingly spontaneous and random thought that had popped into Lou's head. Lou knew that he tended to overthink things, like butts on benches. Huh. Before he could laugh at himself in his head, Emily discreetly pulled out what looked like an ID card. Was it her student ID card from when she graduated years earlier? 
She made a quick motion under the bench, and then in under a few seconds, the entire setup had rotated 180 degrees, and they were facing a completely different, completely foreign, and empty hallway. That was totally like what they did in Indiana Jones, Lou exclaimed. Welcome to the open source labs, Emily excitedly said. This is not a well-known area of research, but it's been going on here for decades. Only students and staff that stumble on a true desire to help have the ability to see it. As they walked down the long corridor, Lou marveled at the pictures on the wall. To his left was Willy Wonka, who he didn't even know was a real person, let alone a distinguished faculty at the university. To the right was Franklin Mars and a larger group photo of what must have been his lab. Oh, Professor Mars died long before the university was established, but we honor his mission here and carry forward his research in the Mars lab. Come, let me show you. As they continued down the winding hallway, Emily shared her personal story of how she had discovered her desire to work on open source candy. I was eating a piece of American chocolate one night and comparing it to a gift of Swedish chocolate. They were just so different and I just had to know. Professor Wonka found me in the chemistry lab, trying to derive the basis for both, and then brought me here. Some of my greatest graduate work was done here, but I'm not sure that any of it's well known. The hallway suddenly turned and Lou got very tall, or perhaps it was the hall that got very small. Cannot be known for certain. Ah, we found the Wonka lab. Professor Wonka likes to change the entrance every once in a while, but you always know when you get there, shall we? Lou stepped through a tiny door with only a narrow window at the top into what seemed like an endless lab fortress. The walls were stark white and the room filled with equipment churning and buzzing. Lou expected to see an army of graduate students, but instead only saw one lone person in the corner, hunched over a microscope and next to a double boiler of corn syrup. Marta! Emily exclaimed as she ran over to her old friend. Emily! Marta said, also equally excited, but also with a little bit of caution in her voice to see that Emily had brought someone with her. So what are you, what are you up to? What are you doing here? The two exchanged brief chit-chat, and Lou tried to just hang out in the back and wait for a good moment to step in. He finally decided to step forward. Hey, so what you doing? Marta's eyes glowed. So I manage our recipes and make sure the equipment is running and also do new research on improving our candy. Lou peeked around her shoulder and quickly saw a piece of paper or schematic of what she was working on. It was the Skeetles! The equipment was gorgeous, but Marta seemed to be working from scribbles on paper and glancing around the room, he saw some problems. And remembering that the Skeetles were salty, he actually saw what he expected. A corner where the lab seemed to receive and then stack deliveries. There indeed were bags of unmarked white substances, some powdery like citric acid or cornstarch, and others crystalline like sugar or salt. They were properly closed and clean, but didn't seem to have any means of organization or labeling. Marta must be the only staff in the lab, totally overworked, and just didn't have the time to think about or create an organizational scheme. That's why there was that bad batch of Skeetles. Lou took mental notes as they waved goodbye and continued down the hallway. The hallway filled with the rich scent of chocolate. It wasn't just any chocolate. It was like he had entered his family kitchen from childhood and his mom had just put peanut butter blossom cookies in the oven and the chocolate was just starting to melt. 
But what was that other smell? Was it color? Lou was fairly sure he had never smelled a color before. But ugh, there it was. Reds and oranges, blues and greens, all drifting into his nose and declaring their presence. Lou imagined himself lifting up on his tippy toes and floating like a cartoon character toward the scent. And then all of a sudden, he really thought he did feel lighter than air. And it could be that his memory doesn't serve him well, but he's fairly sure that he floated into the next lab. This was the Mars lab. Lou only came down from his elevated state when Emily tugged quickly on the side of his trousers. So, this is the Mars lab, home of the NNN. Lou looked around. It was assuredly different than the Wonka lab, where the Wonka lab had new, pristine equipment. This lab looked like it was running on machines that were antiques. On one side of the room was a massive cauldron of melting chocolate, likely where the smell was wafting from, and it looked like it was being prepared to be poured into thousands of tiny circle molds, likely that would form the shape of the candy. Those molds disappeared into a long circular cavern of layered belts that emerged onto a large spray gun, and here is where there were clouds of color aggressively being applied to the new candies. The result of that then continued on outside of Lou's view, onto what appeared to be a cooling chamber with more belts. And unlike the Wonka lab, this lab was bursting with graduate students, cleanly dressed in white overalls, gloves, glasses, and so immersed in their work and nobody noticed Emily and Lou enter. Well, except for a tall, lanky guy in his early 20s with reddish blonde hair that walked over to them with the biggest of smiles on his face. Hey there, welcome to Mars Lab. I'm Alex. Do you want to look around? Lou couldn't help but smile back. The energy and kindness emitting from this graduate student was contagious. I, I love what you have here, Lou responded. I feel like I'm in an old fashioned candy shop. But the smells are from another world. Do you make NNNs? Yes, the graduate student responded with an equal amount of energy. The equipment is kind of old because we haven't been able to afford to modernize it, but we do staff a large number of graduate students, so the lab is still quite prolific. Do you want a quick tour? Emily and Lou followed the graduate student around for a tour of the lab. Lou couldn't help but notice that the equipment was very similar to the Wonka lab. Both labs were producing the same shaped round candy that ultimately was colored, shined, and bagged. The only difference was that the Skeetle was sugar-based and, well, the NNN was chocolate. Even the colors were similar, although not exact. Lou giggled as he imagined tricking his colleagues by putting a bunch of NNNs and Skeetles in the same snack bowl. Anyone that is a grabber and muncher, meaning they grab an entire handful and throw it into their mouth without question, would get an unpleasant surprise. Lou and Emily finished the tour, thanked the graduate student, and as before, Lou took a mental note of what he learned. They returned to the hallway and Emily paused. So, I've never been beyond the third lab before. It's rumored that the hallway goes on forever, but I've never been brave enough to verify it. Lou wasn't really going to argue with that, so he agreed to check out the third lab and then they could head out. The third lab, of course, was the sneakers lab. <laughs> you know... Sneakers kind of sounds like an old shoe, leathery or, or something, Lou commented. Given the toughness of the candy, I wonder if that's the secret ingredient? Emily slapped Lou's arm. She wasn't sure if he was just joking around or really making a serious guess. Of course not, she retorted. You can actually read the entire recipe and its history in this ledger. 
She pointed to the largest book that Lou had ever seen in his life, which was on a pedestal directly outside of the lab. He was sure it would be interesting to read, but he wasn't confident he was strong enough to lift the cover. Oh, don't worry, I got it, said Emily, who did a quick move of her hands and the book opened effortlessly, as if by an invisible force. Lou had reached the conclusion that there was just some magical stuff going on here, and probably if he thought back to the future, he would not remember it or he would just plain out deny it. But he made a mental note for his future self to assuredly state, this really does feel real. He also kind of enjoyed it. He wondered if he ever got tired of sysadmitting, if he'd actually enjoy working in a magical candy lab instead. The book came to life, the text almost dancing across the pages and capturing his attention. But there was so much of it, and it moved so quickly he couldn't keep up. It became clear that reading this ledger would be an impossible task. Even if all of the information was there, the lack of a summary or clear, concise recipe was problematic. So you mentioned this is open source candy, he remarked to Emily. I guess that means the recipes are published somewhere? I mean, this book isn't exactly public knowledge, and I'm having a really hard time reading it. Like, who made this candy originally and how did it get here? Emily was pleased to have an answer. The story is that the creator of Sneakers was trying to create a new caramel, but completely botched it in all possible ways and wound up with something they call nougat. In an act of desperation, he added some extra ingredients, dunked the whole thing in chocolate to hide his mistakes, and that was history. He was a baker, and one of his early apprentices wrote down the recipe into this magical book, and it grows every year. It changes his mind about the recipe a lot, and the staff has to keep up with it. When it's having a good day, it's pretty easy to read. But today it must be ornery. Didn't get enough sunlight from the window or something. Lou cocked his head. An ornery book? Huh. Life was already hard enough with ornery people. Huh. Like himself. He couldn't imagine his home bookshelf taking on personalities and ransacking his apartment. So where are the recipes then? Well, when a final recipe is derived which of course is a work in progress because the labs are always doing research, they publish them on all recipes or other internet recipe sites. It's not perfect, but these sites are the equivalent of journals. And peer review is different. We don't get really good feedback about the candy itself, unless someone kind of tells us, but we do get people trying the recipes and then commenting with useful ideas. Interesting, Lou thought. He wasn't super confident in this approach because he definitely had seen random internet trolls make useless and derogatory comments on these recipe sites with no aim to improve anything. What this really meant is that there was very poor review of the actual practices of the labs and the resulting candy, and it would be easy to make a mistake. He wondered if the toughness of the sneakers bar that came out of this lab was just a mistake in reading the recipe. Something was maybe beat longer than intended to? Emily and Lou didn't venture into this lab because the door was closed, and a dim red light was coming from the door window, which Emily said was likely a light-based process that would be bad for them to interrupt. At that point, they had been gone almost an hour and really needed to return to their posts. They turned around down the hallway, again past the ledger, the lovely smells of chocolate, the shining Wonka lab, and all the old portraits. Lou arrived back at his office, but could not work. He was distracted with thinking about this open source candy. He was seeing so many parallels with academic labs and it was surprising. He kept glancing over to the partially eaten disposed of candy in the wastebasket. 
He wanted so badly for them to be successful. How could something that brings so much joy and so much happiness to adults and children alike have such oversights? On the way home on the train, he realized what was bothering him. These things are fixable, Lou thought to himself. He saw how hard the students were working and how much history was behind the open source candy and he realized that they just couldn't see the holes in their processes. They didn't have the right protocol or procedure down yet. They were all so concerned with the research and publishing the next recipe that the process was overlooked. Lou felt an energy, a motivation, like he had never before in his life. Is this like my <laughs> midlife crisis? He wondered. Was he really ruminating about candy labs instead of his nightly Netflix and beer routine? Without hesitation, he reached for an old notebook from his bookshelf, giving his books a weary eye just in case they also decided to, you know, develop personalities and jump out at him for taking one of their brethren. Click. Lou exposed the ink of one of his apartment pens. The thing about working with computers is that you kind of stop writing things by hand. I mean, why would you need to when you can sign things digitally and type? Lou sometimes wondered if he'd forget how to write or how to write well. He often noticed that his hands would get sore when filling out forms at the doctor's office, as if his hand muscles were out of shape. But he would power through this task because he needed to write this down. First, it was obvious that the Wonka lab and the Mars lab had similar processing strategies and could benefit from sharing equipment. It must be the case that the candy processing hours could be interleaved to be able to share the equipment. The Wonka lab had nice equipment and few staff, while the Mars lab had antique equipment and many staff. Perhaps they just needed to work together. A little bit of tit for tat. If the Wonka Lab shared their equipment, the Mars Lab could repay with extra staff. If the N&Ns were coming out melted together because of that old equipment, this would solve that problem. And if the Wonka Lab was really just mixing up salt and sugar because of lack of organizational systems, the lively students from the Mars Lab could help. Lou scribbled all this down with an urgency had never felt before. Finally, the Sneakers Lab. The sneakers lab had a manifestation of what he suspected was an issue across labs. They did not use proper recipe control to keep track of the ingredients and procedure. Perhaps there needed to be a database of ingredients and then several repositories to keep the recipes and all the changes over time. This was hugely something that Lou could help with. He had been creating databases for years and had a knack for organization. He scribbled down a few more notes and drifted into sleep. Lou looked down at his chest and saw a white apron. It flowed down to his feet where he discovered a bright pair of orange shoes. Wow, where did I pick these up, he wondered. But before he could think further, a large steam pipe shot off and a shrill squeal filled the room, triggering a smoke alarm. And the lights shot off. Lou acted quickly. He reached for a set of levers and pulled several down, and then entered a combination of buttons that he didn't recognize. It was like he was looking out of his own eyes, sitting in a chair in his brain, passively watching this crisis unfold. The beeping stopped, the room lights came back on, and Lou realized that he was inside the candy factory. He had resolved the crisis. Thanks, Lou, the graduate student chirped from across the room. These new waffle cone ends are going to be fantastic. Man, we just don't know what we'd do without you. Lou woke up in a sweat, as if he had been toiling all night in the lab. He was glowing. He smelled his shirt and was sure that there was a faint scent of waffle cones, as if he'd been working the iron himself. 
Next to him was the piece of paper, which had seemed like immense wisdom the night before, but now kind of looked like scribbles of a mad scientist. But he knew what he needed to do. Lou spent weeks trying to find the lab again. He went to sit on that bench for hours at a time, trying to will the bench to turn. If only he could just enter once more. Emily had gone for a vacation, so he was just on his own. He couldn't get in, but he somehow kept dreaming of them and waking up each time in a waffle cone or chocolate-scented sweat as if he was working the night shift. His daily routine, which now seemed so dull, paled in comparison to his nightly adventure. He started to get distance in his day job and rushed home in the evening, eager to enter the dreamland and continue working on the candy research. His friends and family started to notice that Lou was distant and would give him questioning looks when he excitedly went on about a new standard organizational system or ontology that he was developing for candy. They looked him up and down with some judgment when he started showing up to the sysadmin dungeon wearing bright orange shoes and a white apron and a huge smile plastered across his face. <laughs> Where did you get those, Lou? Target? Chuckled one of his colleagues as Lou passed to the break room. Lou didn't notice. He didn't care. He was too deep in thought. His colleague continued to talk about him when he left. I guess he's on something, he whispered to another staff member. But I mean, look how happy he is. And he's still answering tickets, so I kind of don't want to mess with that. As the weeks passed, Lou continued to work in his dreams. He figured out how to get the labs to work together and share equipment. His candy ontology was a huge success. The old recipe ledger was replaced with a repository that kept track of all versions and was easy to access electronically to viewers suggest changes. And he met someone, another staff member about his age that was passionate about the same work. He fell in love with working with them. It was kind of academic and magical romance that he never imagined, infatuation with their ideas and constant thinking about their long, careful fingers working the candy machines, careful laugh, and the devotion they placed in their work. He never expected to be taken with someone or something both at the same time, all at once. It was, it was like heaven. He was in a new groove, a new stage of his life, and doing fulfilling work that he never imagined possible, working with people he cared for so deeply, intellectually and otherwise, and living for those dreams. But then, on a cool fall day, about a year after his initial discovery of the labs, Lou stopped dreaming. Well, he didn't entirely stop, but his dreams of the lab stopped. It was as if a switch was shut off, and the world that had opened up his life and given him meaning had shut the door on him. Lou stopped going to work, or more specifically, his previous day job. It was just unbearable without the joy of working on the open source candy. It was unbearable without the person he loved. He took a break from work, slowly falling into a depression that he compared to the deepest, darkest of chocolates bitter, overwhelming, and unforgiving. He used up all of his vacation days, all of his personal time off, and there was nothing left. Lou was eventually fired from his job as a sysadmin. He couldn't even find the right emotion to feel. He felt nothing. He didn't care about the sysadmin job, or money, or anything anymore. His lack of dreams turned into nightmares about searching for the lab, and the people within it only to find himself on his knees alone in a desolate place. Lou took one more trip to campus to collect his last check, 
With his small amount of savings, it would cover his rent for the remainder of the year, so he'd have to start looking for a new job soon and possibly a cheaper apartment. And if he couldn't find work in his current city, he might consider going south to where supposedly a lot of tech workers were moving. Lou hated moving. Ugh. He stopped in the campus coffee shop one last time and ordered a small latte, sitting down at a small circular table in the back of the shop to nuzzle it like a weaning baby animal. He was distracted by the patterns on the table. It was made of small, textured, colorful tiles that were clearly chosen so it wasn't easy to write on, and it definitely wasn't big enough to even hold a laptop. Lou wondered if it was even made for people just like him, those that just wanted to sip and think. Sip and think, sip and think. He then started to again get lost in his thoughts. Was it that he was doing bad work? Did he mess something up and the dreams disappearing was the equivalent of getting fired? <sighs> it didn't even matter anymore because he couldn't continue working in a job that didn't pay anything when he lost his sysadmin job. Even if he were to find the labs again, he wouldn't be able to keep it up. He missed the smell of the melting chocolate and the people he cared for. It was too much. Lou felt heavy as if his clothes were stained with sadness and his heart was soaked and needed to be squeezed. Just as Lou was contemplating his next possibly unwise life decision, he saw a pair of green shoes appear beside his table. He smelled a faint waft of waffle cones, and his heart skipped a beat. He looked slowly up, and there in front of him was a tall man with curly brown hair, a large top hat, and a Cheshire cat grin. Hey, Lou, I'm Dr. Wonka. Lou started to cry. He had started to doubt his experience, thinking it was just a dream, and the manifestation of an actual person in front of him was a final proof that he wasn't losing his mind. I've been looking for you, Lou. You've changed us. We've never had anyone that looked at our procedure and providence, and you've brought a skill set that none of us candy designers have ever had, a knowledge of how to create databases, standards, and make sure that our work is consistent. I, I can't believe we've been using those ledgers for all these years. One of them bit me the other day. When you left your internship, I was going to offer you a job at the lab, but then you never came back to campus. So Lou, I'd like to offer you the role of the entire department's first research software engineer in charge of open source candy organization, recipe control, and collaborative efforts. But first, are, are you okay? Lou's tears of sadness quickly turned into joy. Yes, I'm definitely okay now. I felt like this piece of me was missing. I, I doubted myself, and I doubted that what I saw as important was even real. And yes, I'd love to work at the lab. What do I have to do? Dr. Wonka pulled out a shiny white card, but it wasn't actually white, because when it moved in the sunlight, Lou saw iridescent pinks, purples, and blues. This should get you into the lab. I think I remember that Emily mentioned she showed you how to do that. It should work for you now. Oh, and by the way, Emily works for us too. She heads into research computing only once in a while to request more compute for our flavor analyses. Will's eyes widened. He never realized that Emily's long vacations were, in fact, not really vacations at all. And he didn't talk to her much to realize she wasn't in most of the time. Of course, he thought. And then he wondered, why had Emily shown him the secret world? Did she see something special in him? As if reading his mind, Dr. Wonka answered him. 
Yes, she saw something special in you. Do you remember your conversation with her about the candy when you asked, does it have to be this way? Emily knows your abilities, and I think she also saw a spark of life in you when you came into the labs. You must pardon my intrusion, but I peeked into your thoughts, and I saw that you had fantastic ideas. We started your internship soon after that, and you did a great job, and well, here we are. If Lou had been at any other moment in his life, he might have questioned how this character in front of him could read his thoughts, and he might have questioned his own sanity. But he was so overtaken with joy that he was speechless. When he finally found his voice again, it came out more strongly and full of gratitude. Thank you, he said. You're welcome. Take your time here and come into the lab to continue where you left off whenever you're ready. And don't worry about your paying rent anymore. We've talked to your landlord and it's taken care of. And whatever you need, you will have. We will take care of you, Lou, because we value you so much. Dr. Wonka stepped away from the table, likely returning to the lab, and Lou was left in a wash of calmness. Lou had felt so out of place, and with just one conversation, felt again that he was home, that he had found his people. The sadness that he once felt was replaced with the purest of joy, and a blanket of happiness with yellows, oranges, and purples swirled into his emotional mind. He would see the people that he cared for so much again and pursue the work that he loved. He felt more motivated now than ever. He was going to do better to find the other open source candy labs and better understand their needs and how to work together. He was a research software engineer and it was his job to lift this work to the highest, proudest place it could be and to nurture the community to afford a successful, happy future. That Halloween, Lou didn't wear a costume that covered his head. He went trick-or-treating with Emily again and her younger brother. So, you know, hopefully they wouldn't get too many looks about being adults and trick-or-treating. But Lou didn't care. Halloween was the ultimate showcase of all of his and his lab's hard work on open source candy. The three of them dressed up as a witch, ninja turtle, and vampire danced around the neighborhoods and enjoyed the magic of the holiday. And as their bags filled up with candy, there they were, the sneakers, the Skittles, and ends and tweaks that he remembered from the year before. The tweaks still needed some work, and Lou suspected he needed to be brave and venture further down the hallway to discover new labs that might work on it and learn new things, too. So he kind of snuck out the tweaks from their candy bags when they got home, and they dumped the rest of the candy onto the kitchen table. Emily's brother was sampling everything. These are delicious! Oh, and so shiny! He chirped. Why is this candy so much better than what we used to get at my old neighborhood? Well, Lou responded, there's this thing called open source candy, and I can tell you all about it. Hey listeners, thanks for listening to the third Halloween special episode of Research Software Engineer Stories. This episode was less corny, scary, and maybe just more magical to celebrate that aspect of this awesome holiday. You know, Halloween isn't all scare. Sometimes there's a bit of whimsy or magic in the air, and that's kind of a part that I love as well. You probably heard all the puns, so I don't need to review those, but I will review the higher level messages that are embedded in this story. First, we might identify with Lou that he comes from a non-traditional background. He goes through his daily routine, but it's kind of just that, a routine that he does to sustain himself and live in that expensive apartment in that burning city. He's almost, ironically, a living dead, 
a twist on the story that I didn't wind up taking as it would have made this a more scary than whimsical story. So you might also identify with him when he stumbles on a passion working on non-traditional aspects of research. He's excited about the protocol, the tools, and provenance of the open source candy development and falls into this niche really quite easily. The fact that he finds this place in a dream, something that feels unreal, further suggests that for many of us, when we're first lost and we discover this role of RC, it feels too good to be true. The last part of the story is the struggle that many of us go through. It's easy to identify with the role, fall in love with it, but then not have the structure or funding to really do it. Dr. or Professor Wonka, depending on your preference, is the sort of dusex machina that steps into the story, validates Lou's newfound passion, his value as a person and contributor to the lab, and then gives him the structure that he needs. We all hope for this kind of turn of events in our lives, but you know, also remember that sometimes it doesn't really make sense to kind of wait around for things to happen. Sometimes you can be that person that brings that change. On that note, thanks for listening. I wish you a spooky, fun Halloween and keep a lookout for that open source candy. Or maybe whip some up yourself.